Welcome to the Virtual Campfire. My name is Sydney Williams, author and founder of Hiking My Feelings, and I'm so glad that you're here. The Virtual Campfire started as a replacement for what we were missing on the trail during the pandemic in 2020. We wanted to be sharing stories and listening to music and having conversations about hard topics at the end of a long day, shared in some of the most beautiful places in the world. In the absence of that, the Virtual Campfire was born and 50 something episodes later, we're still here. And this season, we're doing things a little bit differently. Over the course of the next few episodes, we're going to be sharing stories from people who have been through our 12-week online program called Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. Now, if you've been watching the virtual campfire or listening to the podcast from the beginning, you'll know that this program was launched after our initial 20 episodes of the virtual campfire. This program took everything that we had planned to do on the road in 2020 on my book tour through the U.S. and Canada, workshops, retreats, overnights, group hikes, all of those things, and put them into a 12-week program that was available online so we could stay connected during the pandemic. Now we are getting ready to start our fourth class of this program on August 21st, and we couldn't think of a better way to get people hyped up about it, bring awareness to what we're doing, and share the stories of how this program has impacted real human lives than to bring on some of the people that have been through the program themselves. So I hope you have a nice comfortable seat. I hope you have a beverage of choice, maybe a cozy blanket, maybe a journal. You never know what you're going to hear that you might want to jot down. So have a seat, sit back, relax, unless you're driving, then <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. But we hope you enjoy the virtual campfire. Thank you so much for being here. Sydney Williams. I'm host of the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire show. And today I am so excited to have my friend Uni here. I met this, uh, I, God, how do I even describe you? You're, you're not from this earth. I don't think I like, I, I, <laughs> I strongly believe you are a angel embodying human form on this planet to reflect love and healing to everybody. So we're going to roll with that for now. I'll let you <laughs> self-identify in a minute. Um, but I had the opportunity to meet Miss Uni. Uh, do you want to go by Uni Unique? What are we calling you today? Uni sounds great. Okay, Uni's cool. Great. So, uh, I met Uni through, uh, my pal Gabaccia, who introduced us, um, last year in advance of our hike and heal Catalina Island retreat. And we got to spend like three days in the wilderness together. Um, just hiking around Catalina Island and listening to music and doing fun stuff. So, I am thrilled to have you here today. So without further ado, uh, tell folks about yourself. Where are you from? What you do and why you're here? Like on this yeah. planet, you can answer that question however you want. <laughs> well, since I was <laughs> identified to not be from this planet. Um, <laughs> um, hi, my name is Unique Deanne. Um, I go by Uni. I use she and they pronouns. And I am an, I am Anne embodiment facilitator, um, a full spectrum doula, an intimacy and connection guide, um, Ayurvedic chef. Um, I am a postpartum researcher and a writer and artist. Um, 
I'm sure there's things that I haven't mentioned in there, but those are things that come to mind at the moment. Um, and basically, if I were to just kind of put everything that I do into a quick and short and dirty version, um, I just I support people through transitions. So something that um, I feel very strongly about is that I am a mirror to reflect the healer that we each hold within. Um, and healing can look a million different ways. Um, healing is part of the living journey. Um, everything that lives evolves and grows and with growth comes healing. So that is that is me. Um, I am originally from Texas. Um, I grew up in a small town, smallish town uh, called Midland. So if you know Friday Night Lights, that's my hometown. Um, I moved to San Diego, Kumaye land, where I currently reside um, about seven, eight years ago uh, for Miami. I lived in Miami for eight years and I grew and learned and evolved a lot in Miami and here um, in San Diego. So I've had many lifetimes in this one lifetime journey. Um, and where I'm currently at is just feeling really connected to being in connection um, and interconnected with people. Um, I believe very strongly in communal care and that um, that is an intricate part of our lived experience that we are very often tricked into believing that we don't need um, independence or hyper-independence is one of the biggest harms that we all hold. So that is it, that is me. Oh, I love it. There's a lot to unpack there. And I think one of the things that I appreciate a lot about you and your work and how it kind of folds into what we do at Hiking My Feelings, specifically with our program, Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love, is in week two of our program, we share some exercises to help folks start to identify where they feel feelings in their bodies. And as humans in America, specifically as female presenting humans in America, we are kind of um, completely devoid of education on how to feel feelings and identify them. Um, and that's one of the things that I love that you were talking about was being a mirror for the healer within all of us. And so I'd like to start there. And for the folks that might not be familiar with the term mirror and what that means, could you explain that for everybody and what uh, you mean by saying you're a mirror? Yeah, um, so I believe that we all, like every connection that we encounter has the opportunity to allow us to be both a teacher and a student. Um, I'm really, I'm always unpacking things, always learning and unlearning things. And I spend a lot of time um, in diverse communities. Um, and by diverse, I mean in every single way. Um, I'm, I'm a queer femme presenting person. Um, I have a lot of complex um, just so social locations that have given me a wide variety of lived experience that has informed my education. But I also spend a lot of time learning from people whose lives are similar and very different from my own. Um, I have a background in traditional academia, so I have that lens, but I also prefer this like layer of my journey to learn from people who are living wildly. Um, <laughs> and so with that in mind, um, 
I use the word mirror a lot because that's that's something that is available to us that can kind of shine light on the hidden parts of ourselves. So I remember a few years back, I was in like a, just a personal conversation with a good friend of mine and we were kind of going back and forth on this, you know, like shadows and self and like reflections and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, um, I feel like when these conversations unfold, they often happen this way of it's either good or bad, you know? So someone might be like, like my friend was telling me, like, I feel like, you know, like we're mirrors, but in her perspective, you know, she was like putting it up on this, this pedestal of like, there's all these things that I see that I can't obtain, right? And I'm like, I feel like we're mirrors because I see all of these things that you see in me that I see in you. And so I think that there are, when we like think about the mirror, we think about the shadow, or we think about the reflection, we think about like, being like activated in the in the things that maybe challenge us and so we pull away but I also see the mirror being a space that we can look into and see like our strengths and our growth places and our possibilities so simply like a mirror is something that often will activate us um, which means we'll bring up emotions may bring up discomfort may bring up physical or emotional pain um, but it also is something that holds healing um, and holds the opportunity for us to either like continue looking in and lean in, um, dig a little bit deeper, or we can like turn away. Um, both options are available. And depending on where you're at in your journey, like just depends on, you know, where you, <laughs> which option you choose. Yeah, that is hundred percent true. I remember the first time I was introduced to this like idea of people being mirrors for each other. And it was at a uh, women's empowerment retreat that I went to many moons ago now. Um, and it, it was presented in a way where it made sense to me. I mean, to your point, it, it's, it's something we have available to us. It's something we can understand. Um, but the way that it was presented, just, it didn't sit right with me. And it, it, the way that they said it was like, this is, we are mirrors for each other in that, like, if you see something in me, it's because you have it within yourself. And it was very like flower crowny and frankly, like whitewash lady spirituality that just didn't really hit on the depth of that framework and how we can really, to your point, lean in and find healing in these things. And one of the things that I see come up a lot in our program is the activation. So what is an, what is a, a way that people who aren't familiar, who are just so deeply disconnected from their body, which to be fair is a lot of us. And I'm, I'm very new to like being aware of this vehicle that I live in and how, what it tells me can help me for somebody that's not in touch with their body, what kind of physical sensations do you see any that are common amongst people when they're activated in that way? And what do those things feel like? And perhaps that can help us help people identify when they're being activated. 
Yeah. Um, before I like dive into like the activation space, I just want to um, circle back and touch on something that you said, right? Like, I think that something that we forget or maybe don't even know is like language is a tool to bring us together. Um, language also is a tool that often brings us apart or creates division. And so as we are like utilizing language to build these spaces, like build these like women's circles or build groups or come into community, it's important to like be mindful. Um, and by being mindful, I mean, take pause, take space, consider what you're like, what words you're speaking um, and what they mean to you. And then look around the room and consider how they may land with the people in the room, right? Um, so saying like, saying in a blanket statement, you know, like, I am a mirror and whatever you see in me is also in you can be very activating for someone because someone may not want to confront the things that they see in you, right? Like I can think about the things, the mirrors that like I despise, right? Like I have relationships that push my buttons and push me to the edges and like bring up all the stuff that I like would rather not embody that I'd rather not you know, express. And so if I'm in a place of like not being regulated, not being grounded, not feeling like my best self, right? Like I don't want to look in that mirror. And so I think that it's really important for us whenever we're like learning these new tools and learning these languages as we're on our healing journey, as we're like becoming more mindful, becoming more embodied, becoming more of like mirrors that people can look into to remember what it felt like when we were at our worst, right? To say like, maybe this is not, like this person may not be in a place of being like, hey, do you wanna see the worst version of yourself right now? Deal with it. Like not everyone's ready or equipped for that. We have to baby step into that. So like taking that and moving into the question about activation, right? What is activation? I think that something that happens in conversation a lot, especially in spiritual or conscious spaces, is there is this usage of a lot of words, like people learn a word and then they start using it. And it's often used improperly because we learn something with our own story from our own perspective. And so something like a word that I hear a lot that is misused is the word trigger, right? So something is triggering, but what people are really meaning is something is activating. So activation and trigger feel similar, can look similar, but they're very, very different, right? So a trigger is something that that takes us out of our body, right? It takes us out of our body. It puts us into a trauma response. It puts us into a place of maybe disassociation, disconnection. It puts us into a fight or flight place. It takes our, like, our immediate nervous system and puts us into problem solve for safety and survival. That's how a that's how a trigger like meets us, right? Versus an activation makes us feel feelings. And it often makes us feel feelings that we don't want to feel like anger or sadness or rage or fear. But activation isn't a trigger and activation isn't a bad thing. Neither is a trigger, right? But activation is something that we often don't want to feel. And most of us spend most of our energy navigating around being activated. 
And so what might being activated feel like? It really depends on the person and it depends on how you're connected to your body, how you're connected with your emotions, how you're connected with your physical presence and space, right? Like your existence in life, your existence in your community, in, your, in the room that you're occupying. And it really depends on other factors, like how tired are you? <laughs> you where are you at in your cycle? Did you mean, <laughs> where, yeah. <laughs> where, where are you at in your menstrual cycle if you're a person that lives in a body that menstruates? Um, you know, there's so many factors that determine what can activate us and to what level. So I think that a lot of the work that I do is just simple reminders and practices, um, which I like to call rituals, um, to support people on re-embodiment. So really dropping into our body, coming back into our body so that we can collect data that can inform us. And the data that can inform us can help navigate us into whatever direction we need to go. Um, because the difference between like an activation and a trigger is an activation is just a response that can be managed, right? A trigger is something that can really take us completely out of our experience and put us into a completely different place where we aren't in control because we're operating in a different, in a different, like a different level of embodiment. Um, which I like, I don't think this is a clinical term or even like, <laughs> I don't know if you'll find this anywhere, but I use the word like disembodiment, which is just another way of feeling disassociated. I love that. And I think there was something that you mentioned about learning the words and having the language and then moving from that to embodiment. And on my own personal journey, like this is something I've become aware of in the last four months since I've been here in Maine. And I think a lot of that is because I've been still, I came here with a question of, you know, I've been in motion since I got diagnosed with type two diabetes in 2017. Am I running from something? And if so, what? And what I found is that I'm not running from anything like processing in motion is my preferred way to exist in the world. That's where I get really good ideas. And I, <clears throat> I'm able to move the energy out of my body and access some of these like deeply stored complex emotions and memories. But I didn't realize until I got here and I had like full body understanding around some of the things that I've experienced that I was just operating from a place of having the language and not necessarily the understanding. And one of the like, I don't know, I guess it would be a, a question or a wondering that I'm having is, is this common in America because of how we are educated? Because the likeness that I see between my understanding of myself and finding the language to understand these different things that I'm feeling, the experiences I'm having and the, the ways that I'm healing feels like I got the language and that felt like enough because in school we study to memorize, to be tested. And it isn't really until you're in a different educational environment outside of like, say a public school or you're in higher education where there's different ways of learning and different ways of teaching that are presented rather than just like 
drill down these facts for this history test, but let's not give a crap about the context around these events. Do you find that that you see a lot of folks with an understanding of the language more so than embodiment, like as a sweeping generalization of the communities you work with? I'll say in my in my opinion, um, and most of the things that I'll say today are opinions or perspectives or beliefs that I've like I've formed through self-reflection, through self-work, through interactions with clients, friends, community members, dates. Um, just I I'm very much a studier and an, an observer. Um, and so, in my opinion, I think that, and I believe that hyper-education is a trauma response. So we, we figure out how to outsmart or at least put up the, like, perception that we, we are above something, right? Like, we are above being manipulated. We are above being used. We're above being tricked or, you know, like there's all of these things that we do. So if we can learn about something in a way that we can articulate it so that we put off the perception that we know, then no one can harm us, right? And that often comes from a place of a memory of a past pain, you know, like I can take, um, like an easy example that most people can relate to is heartbreak, right? Like most people have had their heart broken. Uh, most people have fallen in love. Most people have like felt wronged, whether it was like a big wrong or just a tiny wrong, right? And so in that, we've formulated this way of being like, okay, so here's, here's, here's what that pain feels like. Here's what that looks like here's how I'm going to completely remodel my way of existing so I don't have to feel that one thing ever again. And it doesn't work. It no. Doesn't work. <laughs> Relevant. But, Relevant. <laughs> it sure don't. And I've got a case study of one from yesterday about how that's true. <laughs> but we, when we like take space, like to your point, right? Like you've been like in motion, you've been in motion when we take space to like settle down, to calm down, to create silence, to create pause, I'll admit like most people do not do this. Most people keep themselves busy because once we are in the stillness, once we're in the silence, once we're in like without the motion, without the busyness, without the fullness, like that space for all the things we've been shoving down to start surfacing. And with the surfacing, there's things like pain. And what do we do as people? We spend every moment of our life figuring out how to not be in pain, whether that's through drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, um, overworking, underworking, never spending time alone, sleeping too much or not sleeping enough or you know too much whatever the thing is like constant stimulation so that you don't have to feel the thing that you don't want to feel and that's not helping anybody I mean 
it, it, it is a thing, right? Like, I don't know if everything has to be looked at in the context of the binary of like helpful or not helpful. I think that like a lot of where I sit these days is how long do I want to be with any specific thing, you know? And no matter what, we're gonna feel pain. No matter what, we're going to like have to like navigate through things in this way of like loving and losing and like receiving and giving and like letting like that is just the cycle of living and so as long as we're alive like it's con it's a constant motion of like leaning in and letting go and like feeling and trying to avoid and so rather than like being in this place of like going from one like extreme of like, I don't want to feel any pain at all to being like, I'm just going to feel everything. It's like, how long do I want to feel this feeling? How long do I want to be with this one specific thing? Because at any moment, like I have the power to start and to practice and to create a ritual around leaning in or letting go or moving through or receiving or opening or whatever, whatever you're like, whatever place you're in. Um, but it's always a choice. And so if we're choosing to avoid, right, like we're choosing to not feel this one thing and both are okay because it's your life and it's your journey, but it's, it's a matter of like, what do you want? You know, because pain's going to exist on both planes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my example <laughs> as recent as yesterday was I have been experiencing like the, the dissolution of a friendship, I suppose, because it didn't really like there hasn't been a clear end, but just a separation and a shift, I, I guess, in the frequency of communication and the dynamic between two humans. But there was a point of communication and I was wondering if I should respond. And so I asked Barry, I was like, should I respond? Like, I, I, I'm not sure how I want to handle this. And he was like, well, knowing you, I like, I don't know what your response needs to be, but I know that you like to, you know, kind of, you don't want to just leave things open-ended like that. And I was like, okay, that's fair. And so I responded and then I proceeded to like have a complete and total meltdown and a physical reaction to it. And I remember I was laying in bed and then I stormed into the bathroom and I was like, I have worked so hard to not feel these feelings. And I slammed the door. And then I was like, I got in the, like, and like right inside the bathroom is the mirror. And I was like, I don't actually mean that. Like I've been doing work to be able to feel the feelings and to be able to understand how they feel in my body and how I prefer to move through them. And it's, it's so interesting how that just through a little outburst like that, I was like, oh, there's a truth that's like just living in my body. That's that's fun to deal with. Um, so when we're thinking about people that are, they have the understanding they have, or well, they have the language and they're using the words a lot and they might be using them improperly. Um, how can one shift from that to starting to feel the feelings and embody, um, and just move into a state like embodiment? Is that a state? Like, do we, is it a state of embodiment? Or is that like a thing that we're perpetually seeking? 
depends on who you are, right? <laughs> God, I love you. I love it. And I hate it. I, I am realizing how binary my thinking is. And I'm like, and but like every, I love, I love your response to everything. Cause everything that you say, every, like it's black or white from me, you're like, but is it? And I'm like, man, permission granted to like question all the things. I love it. Yeah. I mean, embodiment is a moment, right? Um, and there are probably lots of definitions of embodiment. My definition of embodiment is a, is simply a practice of presence, being fully present within yourself, being present in your environment, being present with whatever you were in space with. Um, and that varies moment to moment. Um, and it doesn't have to be a full experience, right? Like I can be embodied simply in my breath. I can be embodied simply in my sight. Um, something that I practice with people and something that I share with people is sensory play. Um, and sensory play is simply just a practice of tapping into the senses because one, it's something that can be very accessible no matter where you're at. It's something that can quickly bring you into presence, into a present state, into your body, into focus on what is around you and what's within you. And it can help shift you from an activated state into a different, a different feeling, right? Um, and so I think that No matter who we are, this is this is something I found in a journal <laughs> that I wrote like many years ago. Um, when I put out my first book, um, I have a few books of poetry. And so whenever I put out my first book of poetry, I went through like 10 years worth of journals and pulled out pieces of writing to kind of piece together the, the book. Um, but something that I took away from that was we get each person gets like a set of stuff like when we enter this world so i call it a circle we all get a circle right and depending on where we're at in our journey like our circle can be teeny tiny or our circle can be like huge right and when we're doing well when we're in like good places when we're balanced when we're in flow when we're in like more healing spaces, our circle is large, which means, you know, say we each get like 10 problems, we get 10 activations, we get 10 challenges. When our circle's big, we only encounter these, these problems and challenges like sporadically. But when we're activated, when we're charged, when we're dysregulated, when we're not in good places, our circle's tiny. So we're constantly hitting those same 10 things. So if you like pan out and look at your life, like I, I believe this, like everyone can look at their life and say like, oh yeah, like I've been dealing with the same like five or 10 like things. They come in different forms. They come in different humans. They come in different types of conversations, but it's literally the same five or 10 emotions or like triggers or activations or whatever it is for you that you encounter. Um, and so with that in mind, it's like, an expansion of the embodiment is really a practice of what what things support you coming into presence right so for me um i can do this quickly right um because it is something that i have been in practice with 
for a few years now. And it is something that I is at this stage of my life, like non-negotiable, like this is a practice that I must do. And if I'm not doing it, I have a day or two, no more than three before I come back to this practice. And that that's work. Like that isn't something that was always a truth. Like this has been years of me, like coming back to finding, figuring out how to center, making sure that that was part of my daily um, ritual. So if I took sensory play um, and explored what that looks like with like quick embodiment um, or re-embodiment, you know, I can utilize my sense of smell. So I can burn a smudge stick or I can use an essential oil or I can simply, if I'm out on a walk, I can stop and smell plants. That brings me into the presence with this external thing, right? Like I'm using my nose to use my mind, part of my body, connecting with my mind, connecting with the physical space. Um, I can use my eyesight to take a look around the room and find three green things and name them out loud. So I can see my green robe, I can see my green plant, I can see another green plant because I'm a plant person, I have lots of plants. Um, I can use my taste, right? So I can have a warm beverage that has flavors. And as I sip this, I can hold the liquid in my mouth, which is also a feel. I can identify the flavors, which takes me out of this place of mind spinning and the world being very, very large and makes the world very, very, very small. For that moment, for that second, right? I can use my, my touch, I can touch my skin, um, something that I do daily, morning and night, is I dry brush. So I just spend time oiling my body and brushing my body. Because for me, that is something that is very important as a person that holds like big T trauma. And my number one trauma response is disassociation. So anything that activates me has a very good chance of sending me into a disassociative state. And so a big part of my personal work in order to live in this world, just live, not survive, but live here, you know, is making sure that I stay in my body. So um, sound is the last one, I think. I think I've done all of them. So sound is also something that's super, super important for me and something that really supports me in staying embodied. Um, I use music as a healing tool, as a joy tool, as a emotive <laughs> activating tool something to help me like move energy um which is which is just something that's really important um and i like to center sensory um as a entry point for people with embodiment because as people um i am a survivor and i work with people who are survivors um i also am a person of color and i work with communities of color um and we all, like all people, encounter traumatic experiences as well as hold trauma within our bodies. Um, it varies person to person, it varies experience to experience, and it varies how it impacts us like moment to moment. But I think that the important thing to like identify there as the more social locations you have, like the higher chances of like the complexities of trauma that you hold. So like racial trauma or sexual trauma or gender trauma um, are things that just amplify 
on top of all the regular bullshit that we sorry i didn't ask if <laughs> but i figured with you it's yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we got an e on this one you're fine <laughs> <laughs> okay cool um just with all the regular bullshit like we live in a capitalistic society we live in a society that centers misogyny and patriarchy and so there's a lot to unpack at all times but something that we that we can always have um in in this in this is a bit of an ableist statement, you know, um, that we can all in some way encounter our senses. Um, it may vary from person to person, you know, like not all people can move freely, not all people can see or smell or touch or taste, but within all of us, there's something that is just our own, even if it's only one sense. Um, and so how do we utilize what we already have to just touch in, you know, because if you're holding a lot of trauma, or you're holding a lot of things that have taken you really away from your body, um, which is very common in survivors, um, it is important for you to gently explore coming back into your body. So going to these like women's circles, as you brought into the space earlier, can be really activating and can be re-traumatizing because yeah. someone just saying like, oh, like get into your body may be actually harmful for someone who has spent a lot of life navigating how to protect themselves by not being in their body. Yeah. And, and that was the experience that I had. And back then I didn't understand what it was. I just knew that I felt I, it, the feeling that I felt like it felt akin to a middle school cafeteria or something where I was just mm -hmm. like, I don't feel like I belong here. And also at the time, like I didn't even belong to myself. Like I was so scared of being in my body because I too am a survivor. And I hadn't, at that point, I hadn't even acknowledged that what I went through was assault because it wasn't the picturesque and picturesque is so gross. That's air quotes. Don't listen to that. Like the commonly articulated version of assault, which is like, something violent with a stranger and a gun to your head in a dark alley somewhere. And because that wasn't my experience, I hadn't even acknowledged that what happened to me was assault, but I knew that I felt wildly uncomfortable in my body because they, they were just like, okay, now we're going to drop in. And I was like, what does drop in even mean? So I love the sensory play. And I was going to ask you if you had any recommended rituals for folks that are new to this. And that sounds like a really good one. Um, do you have any kind of practice or ritual or, um, maybe even just like a journaling prompt or something like that, that can help people start to connect the feelings that they're feeling and the sensations in their body? Yeah. Um, I like, it really varies from person to person. And when, Something that I feel really passionate about is when we're speaking in broad spaces, like this is an open container. Anyone can access this information. Anyone can hear it and interpret it from their own lens, wherever they're at, right? So with that, I like to be really mindful as to how I share information. When I'm in closed containers, I have the space to energetically feel what's happening. I have the space to bounce back. I have the space to collect more information. So it's easier for me to say, this is what's going to work, right? Versus in open containers, I can say something that can be really helpful for someone and really harmful for someone else. 
I'll say the best place to start though is explore exploration, right? So figuring out what feels good and safe for you. And that can look like anything, right? Like it might just feel good for you to sit on the floor and stare at a plant and look at the veins. And that's an embodiment practice, right? Like that's a safe place for most people to start because you are here, you can sit with your back to the wall, you can see everything around you, you know what's going on, you're not eyes closed and breathing deeply and like you are fully aware of what's going on at any moment that you need to like check back into the bigger picture you can do it in an, in a second in a blink um a, a place that i often start people with with like starting to feel to feel in our bodies right is just with your breath um, I know a lot of guided meditations and a lot of um, a lot of ways that we like get introduced to mindfulness practices begin with like a lot of instructions. Um, I often open up containers and open up spaces with a grounding in, which just is, hey, like we all have busy lives. We all are holding like a lot of stuff. So let's just take a few seconds to ground into this space together. So I'm here with you, we're here on the Zoom, you know, we're here like in a moment. Let's just take some breaths. Like don't control your breath, don't manipulate it, don't change it. Just take a minute and like check in. What is your breath doing? How's it feeling? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it deep? Is it shallow? Let's just sit with it and observe it for a minute. And that's accessible to everybody who's able to breathe and that's really nice because if you're able to breathe then you're here that's mm -hmm. a that's a good one I love I love how intentional you are before sharing as well and I think that that's something that the world just needs more of is the acknowledgement of all the different ways that we all exist and all the different things that we carry and how that can impact literally everything we do I really I appreciate that tremendously. And my final question for our time today is about a magic wand. So <laughs> if you had a magic wand and upon waving it, you could instill some kind of knowledge or understanding for someone, um, give somebody the language, eradicate something that's plaguing society and causing division, what would you do with your magic wand? And how would that impact the world? That's a big, a big cue. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that there's a so many ways I could answer this question, but I think that my simplest answer is I would give everyone the strength to be with themselves because i believe that the work that we do as individuals impacts the work that we are able to do as a collective so if more people were operating from healed spaces or spaces that are healing because i think we're always in healing right because we're always encountering things that shift us so if more people are operating from like healing lenses and healing spaces then we would be operating differently as a society. We'd be more connected 
we'd be more communal, we'd be more compassionate and caring, which would change a lot of things. I think that I can like name off things to like take away or ways to like, you know, like shift or change. But really, I think that if each individual was operating from places that they felt good, um, we'd feel better as a society. I agree with that 100%. I like your magic wand. <laughs> um, so where can people find you? Do you, well, first of all, do you have anything coming up, um, programs, workshops, ways that people can connect with you and your work? Um, yes. And <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I'm constantly building. Um, I can just tell you a little bit about the projects that I'm working on. Um, so my private practice is called self-study. Um, and in self-study, I just center um, re-embodiment, integration, um, healing, guidance, um, and just really focusing on how do we, how do we, what we've been talking about here, you know, like how do we like lean more into healing? Um, I use photography and just a mix of modalities to support people um, through that journey. Um, I have a few programs that I'm like running and perfect, like not perfecting, I'm running and like shifting. Um, and some things that I'm excited about in that space is I'm opening up space for men's work. Um, so working with men intimately um, on just deeper healing, uh, deeper embodiment and really like creating space for more balance um, between the masculine and feminine energies um, and creating space for healing, like um, just big complex things that we don't talk about with men, like sexual shame. Mm -hmm. um, it's, that's something that is very like genderized and it's a female issue, but I think that, um, you know, that is, that is a space that um, is needed as well. Um, I also um, am the founder of a nonprofit called Slow Birth Collective, and we are building a blueprint for just communal care. So we meet monthly, um, we're building resources and tools to just create accessible education, um, support and tools for healing for people throughout their reproductive journeys, um, full spectrum. So anywhere from preconception through postpartum, any, any type of journey, whether it be, you know, um, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, uh, grief work, um, bereavement, um, abortion, all the, all the things, because um, the big thing that I believe across all my spaces is autonomy um, is the most important thing. So people can be most autonomous when they're informed. Um, they can be, you know, they can heal when they understand and they have tools, um, they have community and support. So that is that is the gist of kind of what I do and what I'm doing. Um, you can find all of the all the things online at selfstudylab.com. Um, and that also is the Insta, which seems to be everyone's favorite space to navigate. Um, I'm working on, um, hopefully by the summer, um, having just an online community where people can come together 
continue connecting through these conversations and continue accessing um, just resources that I won't be sharing in open spaces like Instagram or Facebook or you know any major social media platforms. So I think part of the healing journey is being in community with people who are also committed to taking the steps. Um, so I hope that opening up those doors will give people the bravery to kind of lean into the places that feel a little bit nervous. Yes. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And everybody, if you aren't already, go check out selfstudylab.com and also on the Insta and keep an eye out when we know more about this community that she's opening doors for. We will absolutely share that if it's something we can share. So thank you for joining us and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. If you're curious about how to make your next hike a bit more mindful, visit hikingmyfeelings.org slash subscribe to download our free trail thoughts worksheets.